0: Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Socoh, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Socoh and Azekah, and Ephesh Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped at the valley of Elah, and drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath whose height was 6 cubits and a span he had a helmet of bronze on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was 5000 shekels of bronze and he had a bronze he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron and his shield bearer went before him he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel Heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, David was the son of an Ephraimite from Bethlehem of Judah, named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle, and the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab the firstborn, and next to him, Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest or eldest followed Saul, and, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep in Bethlehem. For 40 days the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening. And Jesse said to David, his son, take for your brothers an ephah of this parched grain and these 10 loaves and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. Also take these 10 cheeses to the commander of their thousand. See if your brothers are well and bring them some token from them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. And as he talked with them, behold... The champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before, and David heard him. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid, and the men of Israel said, "'Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel.'" And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away this reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way, So it shall be done to the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness?' I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, how you've come down to see the battle. David said, What have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way, and the people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him, and David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. And Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose, chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air. And to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead And he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, and he struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. And David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, So that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Shaarim as far as Gath and Ekron. The people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines and they plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem and he put his armor in his tent. As soon as Saul saw David go out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, as your soul lives, O king, I do not know. And the king said, inquire whose son the boy is. And as soon as David returned from striking down the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse the Bethlehemite. So it's the reading of God's word. Let's pray together. Lord, this is your word and all of its glory. Please be with us as we hear you speak to us this morning that you might give us confidence in your power and your might to work even For us and even through us for our salvation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This is a story, beloved, that looks ahead to the victory of our champion over our greatest enemy. The gospel of Jesus Christ is hidden in plain sight all throughout this passage but it is most clearly seen right in the middle in verse 32 coming out of the mouth of David where he says, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Or put another way, fear not, for your servant will go and he will fight. This is a story... This is a message that is all throughout Scripture because it is the message of the gospel. And there is always room for fear. It was, there, it was the message that came from the mouth of Moses in the book of Exodus after they had escaped from Egypt and they were terrified because they had the Red Sea in front of them and they heard the galloping horses and the chariot wheels behind them and Moses said to the people fear not stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord which he will work for you today for the Egyptians who you see today you shall never see again the Lord will fight for you and you only have to be silent then in the promised land as they began to fight as the Lord had called them to fight in the midst of the promised land Joshua told the Israelites the very same thing. He said, fear not, stand firm, for the Lord will be with you. The Lord will fight. And then centuries later, in the fields of Bethlehem, in the very same place where David kept watch over his father's sheep, there were shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds, and they were terrified. And the angel said, fear not, For behold, I come with good news of great joy, for born this day in the city of David is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Fear not, for your King has come. He will fight, and he will save you. But there's always been room for fear, whether it was at the Red Sea or in the Promised Land or here in the Valley of Elah. And here, yet again, there was room for terrible fear. The Philistines had long oppressed the Israelites again and again, harassed them, attacked them, and many times defeated them. And here, once again, they gathered for battle, army against army. But this time, the Philistine Goliath of Gath came out their champion and presented himself before the people. and he was terrifying. He was a one-man army. He was their superman. He was quite literally a human battle tank. He had the size and stature that was imposing. Six feet or six cubits in a span was nine feet nine inches. And he had the strength to match the size, as is indicative by his, uh, ar- his armor and his weapons. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He had a bronze coat of mail that weighed 125 pounds. Most of us would have a hard time picking up 125 pounds by ourselves. He wore it as a coat. He had bronze armor on his legs. He had a javelin slung between his shoulder blades. He had a sword and a sheath on his side, and he had a huge spear. And it says it was the size of a weaver's beam. We don't know exactly what that is, but the head of this spear weighed 15 pounds. That's the same amount, same weight as a men's shot put. It requires all everybody's strength just to throw it just a little bit. That was his weapon. And to add to his strength and his size, he had the arrogance, the pride, to come before the entire army and to shout at them. And he said, here I am, choose for yourself a man to fight against me, let's settle this this way. So there was reason for fear, but there was also reason to fight. David said, who is this? Uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God. My kids, I don't know if you caught it when we read through the story. Five times that word defy is there. Defy. He defied the armies. He defied the Lord. He defied Israel. Another word for that would be scorned or reviled or ridiculed. And David's saying... Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he defies the armies, not just the armies of Israel, but the armies of the living God? Beloved, you know that our God has entered into covenant with his people. He has said, I will be your God and you will be my people. And these armies are fighting on behalf of the Lord. They are the armies of the living God. He says, whoever touches you touches the apple of my eye. I will guard you. I will be your shield. I will be your rock. Here is this, David says, uncircumcised Philistine, this enemy of the Lord, this person outside the covenant. And he is defying the armies of the living God. He's ridiculing God himself. David says, who is this guy? What is he, who does he think he is? And why, why are you quaking? Why are you afraid? For who can stand against the Lord? And not only that, there was reason for faith. Not just reason to fight, but reason to fate, for faith. They could have remembered back to the Red Sea, how the Lord did, in fact, deliver them through the Red Sea and had conquered all the armies of Pharaoh. They could remember back to the promised land how the Lord went before them and defeated them. He could remember, they could remember how the Lord had worked through the weakness of the judges to deliver the people. you could remember just a few chapters before when Jonathan said, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. The Lord would deliver his people. This giant is irrelevant. And not only that, the Lord was clearly with David. He had saved him in the, the fields of Bethlehem when the lions attacked and the bears attacked. He was able to protect the sheep and he was saved from them. The Lord would be with him even now. Beloved, understand this, it is the unchangeable nature of our God that gives us confidence in the present as we look back to his mighty works in the past to have hope and faith that he will be faithful in the future and that's exactly what David said he said he said understand this the god who delivered me from the hand of the lion and the hand of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this philistine there's no reason to be afraid now we need to understand that David was a substitute savior He was the servant. He says, your servant will go and fight. But he was a substitute savior. He was willing to put his life on the line for the sake of God's glory, for the sake of God's people. But he shouldn't have had to. There is some irony here that comes out of the mouth of Goliath. He stands in front of the Israelite armies and he says, choose for yourself a man who will fight me. And we will fight The irony there is, just a few chapters before, the Israelites had said to Samuel, we want a king who will go and fight our battles. And the Lord brought Saul to Samuel, and the Lord said to Samuel, he is going to be the one who will deliver my people from the Philistines. And then Samuel brought Saul, and he presented him before the people, and he said, here is the king whom you have chosen for yourselves. The very same words that Goliath said here. They already chose him. Here was Saul, the tall king, the attractive king, now wearing kingly armor. But in the moment of truth, he doesn't fight. He stands on the sidelines. He's afraid. But then there's also Eliab, the oldest brother of David. Remember, he was tall in stature, and kingly appearance, so much so that Samuel said, Well, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But here he was, a warrior with the, the rest of the battle, the, the, the army. And yet it wasn't Saul who fought, it wasn't Eliab who fought, it wasn't anyone from Israel. No one would stand up against this giant until David's father sent his son to check on his brothers at the battlefield and then david was willing to stand up and fight and even still he was scorned by the ones he came to save did you notice that there were 3 tall warriors that david had to do battle with that morning 3 goliaths if you if you will as he proceeded his way to the battlefield. The first was Eliab lie his brother who looked at him with scorn. He said, Who do you think you are, you punk? What are you doing here? I know your presumption. Who did you leave those few sheep with in the wilderness? Hey, you're just here to see the battle. You're nothing. Goliath would looked down upon David with scorn and derision, but Eliab was the first. Eliab had Goliath-like scorn for David. But then there was Saul. And Saul looked to him and he said, David said, I will fight him. He said, you can't fight him. You're too small. (laughs) You're too young. You're a youth. He's He's been a warrior from his youth. You don't have the right armor. You don't have the right weapons. You just can't do it. Goliath would look with anger at David and he would say am i a dog that you come at me with sticks and he would say this is a joke but Saul was the first Saul had the mind of Goliath seeing with his own eyes and beloved same is true for the lord jesus christ know this for certain our great hope is that he was our substitute savior he did what no one else could have done he did what what adam should have done in being faithful to god's law he came and was perfectly faithful adam failed but jesus was faithful and he did what we couldn't do he bore the penalty for us he saved us he was obedient on our behalf he was our substitute our faith rests on the fact that he has done it for us just as david had but he, Make no mistake, he was scorned by the ones he came to save. And it began with his, his own household, his own brothers, his own, the people that knew him. People of his hometown said, isn't this the, the carpenter's son? Isn't, isn't his mother Mary? There aren't his brothers uh, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Don't we know who his sisters are? And they took offense at him. Who do you think you are, Jesus? We know who you are. You're from Nazareth. And there were others who accused him of blasphemy. And they sentenced him to death. And even on the cross, there he was, hanging on the cross. And people wagging their heads. Saying, well, he, he saved others. He can't save himself. Well, if he's the king of heaven, let him come down from the cross. And then we'll believe in him. He was scorned. He was rejected. He was despised of men. And yet, back on the fields of, in the valley of Elah, David was yet to face the greatest enemy, not just the mind or the manner of Goliath, but the very person of Goliath. And he approached the champion, the fight. And Goliath looked down on him, physically, for sure, but also with scorn and derision. He said, is this a joke? <laughs> Sticks? What? What is this shepherd's staff that you have? Come on, give me a break. And then he did something. Did you catch it? It says, and then Goliath cursed David by his gods. Ah. Goliath, you have shown us the true nature of this conflict. You have shown us the real matter at hand. It's not about champion giant versus some young boy. Or army against army. This is a battle of gods. battle of Yahweh and his honor before the gods of the Philistines. And he followed that up with a taunt. He said, well, I will... Come here, little man, and I will kill you, and I will feed your body to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David, didn't. David responded with a taunt of his own. and He looked at the, the giant and he said, Please, what do you have? A sword? A spear? A javelin? Sticks? I come to you with real weapons. I come to you with a real warrior. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the, the, the God of the armies of Israel at whom you have defied. He says, Goliath, you have defied. There it is again. God Himself, His armies, His honor is at stake. His power will come to fight. And you are a dead man. And he said, I will cut off your, I will kill you and cut off your head and I will feed not just you, but the host of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And why? That all the world may know, all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And let me tell you how I will do this. Not with sword, not with spear, so that everyone here will know how God fights, not by the weapons of man, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And he will give you into my hand. Notice what he does there. He's not just focused on self preservation, like he said to Saul. He said, The Lord will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. No, now he says, The Lord will give you into my hand. There's aggression and audacity. For, he says, the battle is the Lord's. God's glory was at stake. Salvation would come to vindicate the honor of the glory of the Lord, and he would be victorious. And so the two warriors rushed at each other in battle. Did you notice how much of a non-event that battle was? 40, years, 40 days of taunting, so much talk, so much fear, so much hand-wringing, 48 verses in our Bible, and the, the battle's over before it started. Now, I want you to understand, beloved, I want you to understand the picture of the violence and aggression and severity of God's judgment upon the giant. So our Bibles say that David had picked up five smooth stones. I don't know what the mental picture that you have is of the size of these stones. But it was likely that these stones were upward the size of two to three inches in diameter. So think the size of a tennis ball or a baseball. Now, a major league baseball pitcher who's a flame-throwing pitcher can throw just over 100 miles an hour. And they measured the exit velocity of a ball off of a bat um, as a batter hits it. And on average, it's about 90 miles an hour off of a bat. Now, uh, a home run is going to be a lot more than that. Some of the hardest hitting uh, recorded hits are about 122 miles per hour off a bat. In Game 3 of the World Series, Corey Seager, the Texas Rangers shortstop, hit a home run that was clocked at 114.5 miles per hour off the bat, exit velocity, and it was a shot out of the park. Now, if a pitcher were to be hit by a 100 mile an hour fastball, or even worse, if a pitcher was hit by a comeback hit off of a bat, it would be devastating. And that's a baseball. A baseball which is a cork center, surrounded by rubber, surrounded by string, surrounded by leather. This was a stone. And skilled warriors could sling a stone at 100 to 150 miles per hour. And David slung his sling, and he slung that rock, and it hit Goliath dead in his face. Dead in his forehead, it says. Our text says that the stone sunk into his forehead. Let's put it another way. He crushed the head of the giant. And the battle was over in an instant, without a fight. The giant didn't have a chance to even draw his sword out of its sheath. So complete was the victory. And what happened next? What did Goliath do in response? Well, yeah, he died. But what it says was, verse 49, And he fell on his face to the ground. Beloved, don't miss what happened there. Goliath fell in worship before the God who just vindicated him or just destroyed him. That is the same language that is there in chapter 5 of 1 Samuel when the the Philistine god Dagon fell on his face before the ark of the Lord and here now the defeated champion fell before his true champion God himself. David wasn't done there, was he? That wasn't the end of the story. David had said, well, I'm going to cut off your head. And he made good on his promise. And he ran up to the giant's corpse. And he pulled out the giant's sword. And he cut off the giant's head. And he took it as a souvenir. And what was the, the means of threat, the means of fear, that giant's sword became the means of final victory. And beloved, do you know that that is the same thing that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has done for you and for me? Because what is the source, the heart of our anxieties, of our fears? What is the true source of It, it is death. It is the end. And what comes after that? Judgment. The fear of judgment. The fear of death. And hear what the writer of Hebrews says. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, He, Jesus, Himself, likewise partook of these same things, that through death He might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Beloved, it was through death that Jesus Christ, our Savior, conquered the power of death. Conquered the power of the one who has power over us because of our fear of death. And has set us free from that fear of slavery. So now we have a taunt. We have the taunt that our Apostle Paul taught us to say, Where, O death, is your sting? Where, O death, is your victory? Because, beloved, Jesus Christ has done it for us. As David said, our servant is has come and he has fought and he has been victorious and he has done it for us he is victorious in him we are more than conquerors but that's not the end of the story yet either is it nor is it the end of the story for us because in light of the champion being defeated the Israelites began to rout the Philistines. and They routed them all the way home. Do you know that that is the charge that our champion has given for us? Our resurrected and exalted king said to us, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples by baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Not by power, not by might, but by the Spirit of God. And not on our own. For he said, And behold, I am with you always. To the very end of the age. Beloved, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel that saves us. A God who has sent his Son to be our champion, to do the work for us and does it through us. Beloved, let this gospel, this gospel of the only rock of salvation, sink into your foreheads and let it bring you to your knees and worship. For if you do not, it will crush you. This is our salvation, the work of Christ Jesus for us. And beloved, let us be faithful to do that which he has called us to do. What, he, he calls us to do this, and, and there is always reason to fear, fear. There's always reason to be afraid. But why are we afraid? Why do we tremble? This is our God. Are you afraid because you're just a youth? Because you don't have all the answers? Will that stop our God? Is it because you are too puny? You don't have the right armor, the right weapons to fight. Will that stop our God? Is it because of the giants that are in the land? Because there are many giants in the land, many taunts, many taunters that hate, that that deny the power of God, that scorn the church of God, that seek to take away our joy, that that they're giants... Out there, there are giants in our front yard. There are giants sometimes in our own house. Is God God? Will he fight for his people? Will he save them? Do you believe it? This is the God that we trust? And we will have this task, beloved, until the glory of the Lord fills the earth, until the waters cover the sea, he will do this through us if we will remember, if we will remember his mighty works, if we will trust that he will be faithful to these things, and if we will fight, if we will have the courage to stand on God's faithfulness to fight. And in so doing, our, our king will fight through us where he said, I will be with you always. But only to an end, because the glorious hope that we have is that our King is coming back and he will fight one more time, coming not in weakness or humility, not to be a suffering servant, but a victorious and glorious servant who will destroy the last enemy, even death, and the one who has power over death forever and ever. And this, beloved, will be our victory if we stand firm and we fight with the power of our Savior. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is indeed faithful, beloved. Let us trust him to do this. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for your glorious gospel of grace. Thank you for your glorious might and that it is... It is a, a, a might that saves, even in the most improbable of circumstances, through the most improbable of means, for the most improbable of people, even us. Oh Lord, would you increase our faith. Help us to trust in your power and love and salvation in your covenantal promises. Help us to remember that your glory is at stake and that you will do these things for your glory. Oh, we praise you. We adore you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.